0: What's up, y'all? Is Zach with Living Corporate? Now, look. For those of y'all who are new here, the purpose of Living Corporate is to create a space that affirms Black and Brown experiences in the workplace, right? There are certain things that only we can really understand, and when I say we, I mean the collective non-white professional <laughs> in corporate America. Um, and when we look around, if you like Google being Black and Brown in corporate America, you may see like a post I'm um, in Huffington Post or something that kind of communicates from a position of lack but I don't know if we necessarily have a lot of content that empowers and affirms our identity and our experience. And that's really the whole purpose of living corporate. It's with that, that I'm really excited to talk to y'all about the see it to be it series. Amy C. Wanager, um, who has been a guest on the show, who's a writer for living corporate, and who's also the author of network beyond bias. Um, she's actually partnered with living corporate to actually have an interviewing series where she actually sits down with black and brown professionals so that we can learn about what they actually do and see ourselves in these roles, right? So it's a variety of industries that she's she's talking to a lot of different types of folks. You're gonna be able to see what they do, and at the same time, you're gonna hopefully be able to envision yourself in that role. Hence the title, "See It to Be It." Okay, so check this out. The next thing you're gonna hear is this interview with Amy C. Waninger. Y'all hang tight. Catch y'all next time. Peace.
1: Bobby, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm doing good, Amy. How are you? I'm doing great. I was hoping you could tell me just a little bit about your company so that we can sort of level set on what the heck is InsureTech anyway.
2: <laughs> so, um, a little bit about my company. Uh, I'm Co-Founder and Chief Product Officer, of Benikira. And our entire mission for our company is to bridge the gap between the carrier, the policyholder, and the beneficiary. And we do that by offering carriers right now we're focused on life and annuity organizations with claims automation asset retention and data management
1: and so for the people who aren't in the insurance industry or don't know a whole lot about life insurance let's break that down into plain english so you're trying to solve the problem i'm going to put words in your mouth and you correct me if i'm wrong you're trying to solve the problem where someone dies and they have a policy and their beneficiaries maybe don't know that that policy exists or how to get to it. And you're trying to help people get the money that they deserve based on those policies being in effect. Right? So yes. Sort so, of. so there
2: it's two, it's actually sixfold because <laughs> our <laughs> we have six different uh, modules that we've created. But before I go into the six different modules, success for our company is when a beneficiary has just received a check. That they had no idea was coming for us that is what we are striving towards our foot in the door is through claims and what we've learned by just interviewing and just the statistics alone is the claims process is simply outdated so we have a 100 percent digital claim solution that also includes moving the money if the carrier wants to so that's our first module then we have modules that Allow carriers to track their unclaimed property and the laws. Benny retention is taking that claims process and making, giving the ability for the carriers to serve the, the beneficiaries by using their sales force. Uh, the, mod, the module that you talked about, which is Benny Update and Benny Notify. So what we want to do is Benny notifies that when a triggering event happens, and unfortunately in life, it is a death. Death is a triggering event. That's when we want to notify the no- beneficiary. But on the update side, what we want to encourage carriers is how do you create that engagement with the policyholder so that we're getting that Benny information ahead of time? So you're not... Right now, if you look at carriers and how they're trying to find beneficiaries, Google is their best friend. How do we make Google not their best friend? Because they can't find these bennies. So they're looking online. They're looking at obituaries. It's just a, a manual process to just find a beneficiary.
1: Yeah. You would think they would have had that under control years and years ago, but good for you for putting all those pieces. Oh in. yeah.
2: And we've heard horror stories, even on the carrier side where uh, their their many information is still in file folders. So it's not, they've not even done the transformation to get some of that information online. So yeah, it's, it's a huge problem and we are very excited to solve it. So that's what, you know, drives us every day.
1: That's fantastic. So can you tell me how, you, how did you get into this space? Because Obviously, you're solving a problem that's never been solved before, and something led you here. So what was it? So it's an
2: interesting story. So in 2016, I was working on a startup with Sobin, who's one of the co-founders of my original startup, and uh, Ben Akiva, and also my husband. <laughs> so both of us had this startup around a digital, uh, it was a, a digital documentation and e-signature platform. And he has roots in Iowa. So we, uh, his parents, were coming from Nepal, so we decided to go visit visit them. And my key was, hey, we were beta testing this product, uh, and the product is Docsmark let's uh we're not i'm not sitting there and hanging out with family that's great but i also want to do some business development and just see what the des moines area looks like because we live in north carolina so that's what led us to meet brent because we had reached out to several people and there was one person in in uh, particular we met and she was brent's client and brent williams was a financial advisor a very successful financial advisor 250 million assets under management so he met with us and he initially thought when when her when his client heard about what we're trying to do she's like this is interesting you should talk to brent and let me do the introduction so it was once again that networking it was so cool so we met with brent and brent thought he was telling us about financial advisory because of our corporate background. He's like, okay, they, they look like good couples. I can help serve them. And the entire conversation, this is when Sovin's like, we're more interested in learning about your startup. What is it? And you should have seen Brent's eyes. I mean, he's just like, oh my gosh, I've got to share about uh, this insure tech startup that hit, uh, that he was starting. And it was as a financial advisor, he has gone through the claims process with his, with his policyholders loved ones and he's seen the breakdown from the insurance like from a an advisory angle and that's when we fell in love with the problem he was looking for a a innovation and tech folks to join the team and so and I had just bought life insurance policy because we my child right now is four but at that time she was one and we just bought a life insurance policy I'm like are you telling me there's like two-thirds chance that that policies don't get claimed and she may be one of them so we're gonna go we're gonna go solve this problem so that's how we connected back in 2016 and ever ever start that's when Benikiwa was born
1: it's awesome so you actually have a tech background not an insurance background I have correct? a tech and financial services, Brett. Tech and financial services, okay.
2: Insurance and so, is brand new, and, and I've kind of immersed myself when, when
1: I met Brent, so. That's neat. Yeah, a lot of people in insurance don't get there on purpose, right? They kind of fall into it, and that's okay. We'll keep you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it so far. It's been amazing to find people like you and Tony and others that it's been a, it's been a great community
1: of people, so I feel so welcomed. Good, I'm glad. I'm so glad. So, what's been the biggest surprise to you about starting this venture in the insure tech space?
2: So, initially, uh, the town that I live in and our startup community, I'm the first insure tech startup in our area. Winston Salem there's not many and if there are they're hiding because I've not seen anybody
1: so sorry hide are usually not very <laughs> successful by the way <laughs> uh,
2: so when when I talked to folks about the uh, in our local community they were like yeah that's not a problem you, that's not a problem that needed to be solved and I was like how can you say that? And it's because they don't work in insurance. They've never been in the insurance. They don't know, understand the value chain. So I came in with the bias that, yes, we are solving this problem. How will the market react when we launch? And we literally thought it's going to be this short, steady ride. We'll, we'll have like really, really, that it's just going to be, just knew it's going to be a long several years before we can get. Some good traction, and we have been blown away, and that's been the biggest surprise. So we know now, like that kind of is confirmation. Like we we did so much research, so we knew there was a problem, but the fact that the market and the carriers and the supporters that we have gives us such good confidence that yes. So all those other folks that told my in my community that said you're not have a problem, I'm like. I do, I'm solving a problem. <laughs> so that's been, that's been, um, but what's funny though, is the same people that when Brent talks to them, they're just enamored by the problem we're solving. But when I pitch, it's kind of like, yeah, you don't have a problem. So I get some type of a bias of sometimes, and I'm wondering what it could be, but, oh, I know what it is. But. <laughs>
1: imagine that yeah so yeah so I know people who um will hire I have talked to a couple of of women entrepreneurs who have hired men to go in and say that they're the boss to get money to get clients to close deals and because when for some reason when it comes from a man it's a it's a great idea and so they just make that work for them. So, I guess it's good that you have a partnership with someone who,
2: yeah, and and and, and we work so well as a team. And I and honestly, from a Benekiva perspective, uh, our entire team we just were one big family. Uh, but he even recognizes, you know, that we we do a lot of uh, partnering. When it comes to, because he's he's done sales all of his career, right? And I've been in tech. So I learn a lot. And but and we've just been joined, jointly doing selling. And what we've found is super powerful when you have a male dynamic and when we have a female dynamic in the room trying to work with problems, right? I come at it from a different angle. He comes at it from a different angle. And we have just made that work. so. And it's, it's actually what's makes our company unique because we do we have that we we embrace diversity and we do things together
1: so that's awesome
2: yeah and he's a big supporter he's like he uh he's the first one to say okay bobby there's a woman in tech event and you're gonna go and present that so i have a very supportive founding team
1: that is one push they push me to do stuff um So it's great. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you because there are so many women, especially in tech who would just yearn for an opportunity like that to have an opportunity to contribute at their fullest. And I just think it's wonderful that you found that and that you're, you're doing it in a way that's just going to help so many people. I just think it's awesome. I'm so excited for you. Thank
2: you. And I encourage other women too. like that's don't, you know to get out of that mental but mental state of we can't do it you know we have enough supporters that we will make it happen and a lot of our supporters come from men
1: mm-hmm.
2: so and it's awesome
1: to. yeah they need yeah, to they, they're the ones with the seat at the table right
2: yeah i mean just uh, recently uh, a twitter post where um they had uh, published like a top 10 or top 20 or top 30 insure tech list and Nigel was like, "Where are the women? See, where are the women founders?" And he like blasted few women founders, and and it's people like that that makes you feel so supportive in our industry.
1: Because our industry is tough. It, it is, is tough. absolutely, and you know, I see so many like you know future leaders, right? They'll post future leaders, and almost without exception, future leaders are young white men. And it's like, no, future leaders are everybody. And if you can't see that, then you're perpetuating the problem. So I'm yeah. I'm so glad that you have those allies in place. Yeah. So speaking of that, where do you go for support? And I know that you identify as a woman of color, um, being Indian American. Where do you go for support, um, among other women or other people of color in your industry? So
2: honestly, in our industry, it's it's um, it's social media. I have a a great group of core women that we support each other. Like you're one of them. We support each other by tweeting, sharing. If I have an issue, like I was just texting with my friend Murray, and just just. You know, Reynu's another one. We, we just have a good support system. But, you know, there's a, a group in LinkedIn for women in sure tech. And if you're a woman in insure tech, you need to join that LinkedIn group. Um, add me on LinkedIn and I can add you to that group because it's a good way to get that community growing um, and just encourage women entrepreneurs, especially in our industry. So I've done mainly 100% actually. It's all social media.
1: I think social media is so under recognized as a networking tool. And I did that myself early on. I was like, I don't want anything to do with Twitter. I don't understand it. I want, I want no part of it. And someone told me, no, you really need to be on Twitter. And the really needing to be on Twitter thing was like, okay, fine, whatever. Right. Right and i started a little bit and i started a little bit more and then i started to figure out how to grow my following there and my network has exploded because of twitter and it's not superficial ridiculous like yeah. trolling kinds of relationships right it's real honest to god human people who you know called me when my book launched to congratulate called me on the phone to congratulate me not tweeted at me right but like actually made a human connection. It's people who have invited me to speak at their companies. It's people who have, um, you know, referred me for opportunities. There's such a sense of community on social media. And I think a lot of people who don't use it that way don't recognize that that exists when people say, well, how do I connect with people who are different from me? My first thing is start on social media because it's a great way to listen to a conversation without inserting yourself into it and that's the first step in building trust.
2: Why oh, I am I, reading your book right now about how to create. I'm on the chapter about how to create champ, like uh, champ networks. It's, yeah, I mean, doing things in social media, I think people, there's, you know, you often get so much scam, and I think that's why people don't engage in it much but once you can filter those people out there is some there especially in insurance and insurtech there's a there's great conversations that are happening in pockets and and bigger pockets
1: and it's just it's a great support network absolutely and you know as people connect with you and see you as one of their own whatever that means right whether it's in your discipline or in your industry or in your demographic group right when people connect with you and really feel and really feel that they start to open doors for you and these are people you wouldn't have access to because they don't live where you live or they don't work at your same company or whatever so it i think it's just so powerful to put yourself out there and kind of let the universe take over in a way
2: yeah it's been it's been the best I was always on LinkedIn, but I think I really truly started understanding the value of LinkedIn in the last two years, Mm -hmm. because I have not, I've not been one of those people that truly engaged, I had a good following, you know, but now if you look at the conversations I'm having, they're super meaningful, and I'm building those relationships Previously I was just adding coworkers <laughs> and I was having relations you know, like having the relationship and bonding at the workplace. Now as an entrepreneur, you know, you don't have that luxury. And especially with me being in Winston-Salem, being the only insure tech company, it's just you have to reach then it forces you to reach out.
1: Definitely. So if somebody's not already in InsureTech, where do you recommend they go to learn about this industry? what skills they might have that would transfer in or how they might get started, um, you know, in a career of their own here.
2: So I, the way I entered insure tech was through startups, right? Like I had an initial, uh, I was an entrepreneur and just landed myself here. So I saw a complementary need that what I was trying to do with what Benny Kiba was doing, what I would recommend folks that want to get into insure tech, is find those problems that you want to solve. I wouldn't have gone into insure tech if I didn't fall in love with the problem. That's just not my personality. I don't build companies just to say, oh, it's going to be profitable. It's, it's got, I'm very mission focused. So it's got to touch my heart to, in order for me to even get involved. So I think if there's a passion or an interest, or like if you are even curious about why does this happen in the insurance space? oh my gosh, find a startup and I would always encourage people, find a startup, go to those startup weekends, right? <laughs> Create something like an idea. You get resources for free. So much. So much resources are available. Just maximize on that. And then if if you've got enough momentum, build it. If not, then partner with somebody, you know, like as a start, you know? So, I would. I always encourage entrepreneurs. Like, if you're passionate about something, just do a side hustle, do whatever. But just, just figure it out, and then once, once you will feel it when it's you've got the momentum to say, okay, you can leave. You know, mm-hmm. you can leave your full time job and do your own entrepreneurial journey.
1: It's scary, isn't it? Because you went through that where you were an employee, uh, and then two years of side hustling. <laughs> yeah so tell me about that thought process how did you prepare for that departure I think I shared that story with you when I first met so it was so
2: funny so 2015 is when I was like you know I jumped into entrepreneurship and I and, and I had a full-time job I had a very nice career and when I dipped my toes in the first thing I did was I told my boss which they were my employers they were super supportive and they're like, we all have side hustles. You should have one too. So they totally encourage the entrepreneurs. That
1: is so rare, by the way.
2: <laughs> but I worked for, with a fantastic organization. And then I literally had, there's so many phases. And you've probably experienced it. Imposter syndrome. Am I going to make it? Oh, it's so tough. I mean, it's, there's so much like, it's, it's a hard road. And one of my friends, we became very good friends, and she does coaching. She's a transformation coach. And she's just like, you know what, Bobby, you're so smart, and you can do this. And I'm like, yeah, She she's just saying that because she's my friend. But she's like, let me do a coaching session with you. And that went on to, I was a part of a group coaching on things that initially, before I did that, I thought it was all like voodoo stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's not going to, whatever it really worked is it helped me declutter my all the biases that I had and gave me the confidence so what I did was March of 2017 I won't forget I wrote a card and I said I kind of planned my end of day like this is the date this is I'm gonna leave my work I'm gonna have this grand party I'm gonna say bye to everyone and I wrote the date of September 29 2017 and I looked at it every single day Every single day, I've looked at it, so it gave me this this kind of like I'm a project manager by trade. Gave me like a timeline to get things done, get things planned out. And September 29th is when I left my full time job.
1: That's incredible. I love. That story. <laughs> I love that story for so many reasons. <laughs> okay, so just one one more question. And then I'll, I'll let you go today, but when do you feel included? Tell me you about know, a time when you felt genuinely included,
2: you know, honestly, uh, so entrepreneurship journey has been difficult I and mean, everybody has those stories and I think I literally felt included when I've been on this journey in my local community since 2015. 2017 is when I uh, really pushed, I uh, really organized an event where I really wanted local uh, companies to, to meet startups, local startups. We talk about buying local. And I'm like, it's time that you buy local products from startups, tech products. Don't go to... Company ABC, when another company is doing something similar, this gives them an opportunity. At least have, give them a seat at the table. So I worked with our co-working space to do an event, and I was told that uh, Bobby's legit, and and I think that's in all. It kind of like pissed me off, but it, then it also gave me like this confirmation, like okay, now I think people are taking me serious, you know but it took two years and that's what my mission is is it took me two years as a woman right Mm -hmm. and i know what the biases are it's because i'm a woman it's not that's the that's the issue and i don't want any other woman to ever feel like they're not included earlier on in their journey that's when i felt included and now i'm never gonna let anybody else not feel included until they've proven themselves. There's no need, there's no need.
1: That's so beautiful. And I love that, that it took somebody else saying, you're legit. And how many of us struggle with that feeling of, I won't be accepted, they won't think I'm really supposed to be here, right? Um, You know, Amy Cuddy, who um, did the TED talk famously on, You know power poses and you know she talks about oh I'm not supposed to be here because she had been in an accident and lost some of her her IQ and you know even though she had been on this like meteor meteoric rise you know then that was kind of taken away from her at least in her own mind and I think so many of us feel like we're just not supposed to be here and when Mm -hmm. somebody else says no 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 you you know you're legit um, or you know someone that we really admire um, you know talks to us as an equal or um, you know or treats us that way I just think that has such a profound impact and you know what it costs nothing
2: yeah it costs nothing it's just you have to have an open mind and an open heart
1: exactly Bobby yeah. thank you so much for being my guest today I greatly appreciate thank you your thank time you and your talents and I look forward to so much more from you
2: thank you thank you so much.